Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in New York. I'm Amy Keene. Today we're taking a look at what the global trade war means for corporate America's bottom line. Six months on from Donald Trump signing sweeping corporate tax cuts, U.S. companies are halfway through the second quarter earnings season, and it's on track to be a banner one. But another picture is emerging from executives' conference calls with analysts, and that's that companies are growing increasingly concerned about the Trump administration's trade policies as they start to count the cost of its tariff battles with China and with Europe. Andrew Edgecliff-Johnson talks to North America correspondent Patty Waldmeyer and global trade editor Sean Donnan about the latest in the global trade wars. Patty, you've been focusing on how manufacturers are navigating the global trade tensions and looking most closely at the big U.S. car makers. How are they faring? Well, the first big company to register any alarm at all about the tariffs was Daimler, and that was last month, and that was a car company. Not surprisingly, because cars are sort of on the front line of what's going on with trade. But yesterday, the big three, Detroit automakers, Ford, General Motors, and Fiat Chrysler, all cut their profit forecasts to a greater or lesser degree because of tariffs. Right. And so what's driving that? How much of these tariffs have hit already? How much is fear or expectation of what is to come? A lot is fear or expectation of what is to come. The actual impact in the second quarter, because what we're talking about our second quarter results, was not huge, but it was certainly not negligible. So for Ford, the impact of higher steel and aluminum prices, which were affected by tariffs. So Ford and GM both buy almost all their steel and aluminum in the U.S., But still, the prices went up as a result of the tariffs, and the hit for GM was between six and seven hundred million dollars for a full year. That's what they're forecasting for a full year. And the hit for Ford was about between five and six hundred million dollars. Ford also said that it had a hit of about two hundred million dollars from tariffs in China, and that would be mostly on autos imported from the U.S. to China. Right. So, what are the CEOs saying about this? Uh, We have the president who's tweeted that. Trade wars are good and easy to win. Is that the view from the C-suite at the moment? Well, both Ford and General Motors seem to be going to great lengths to say absolutely nothing about it that was very specific on their earnings calls. So, for example, GM started the day very early in the morning by commenting that commodity prices had hit their earnings, but they deliberately did not say that it had anything to do with Mr. Trump, and they only very, very briefly said it had anything to do with tariffs. And at one point, their chief financial officer called it market forces, when, of course, the market forces are being driven by tariffs. Um, Ford has its own set of problems. The tariffs certainly didn't make things any better, but um, Ford spent very little time talking about the tariffs. I think that they don't want to attract the kind of retaliation that Harley-Davidson had about a month ago when they announced that they were moving some production overseas as a result of EU tariffs. And are we seeing from the big car makers any such plans to move some of their production as a result of these tariffs? They are saying that it's 
There are too many moving parts to have any idea of where they should move production to. In general, all the big auto companies in the world produce where they sell for the most part. I mean, of course, they do export, but GM, for example, it produces pretty much everything it sells in China in China. Uh, Ford exports um, some models to China, and GM imports a few models from China, but not very many. So they're trying to work on their supply chain, but again, with auto companies, that's a very complicated matter because parts that go into automobiles have to be tested very rigorously, and sometimes they even have to be authorized for use. So changing them is not something you're going to do lightly. So, Sean, Wednesday was the day we heard from all these car makers. It was also the day that Donald Trump stood up in the White House Rose Garden with Jean-Claude Juncker of Europe to announce a change of tack on U.S.-European trade relations is relief in sight. Sure. So we've entered the kind of, you got to think of, of Donald Trump's trade wars as having two parts. There's the, the, the tariffs are the greatest part, which is uh, what we've been seeing so far. And that's him introducing tariffs on steel and aluminium, promising tariffs on, on autos, also uh, throwing tariffs up against Chinese goods and, and so on. And the second part of that is is what he argues is, is the grand strategy. And that's the, these tariffs, this greater leverage will force people to the table and that you'll get some kind of trade deals. And really, perhaps we saw the first sign that that may work possibly when uh, Jean-Claude Juncker and Donald Trump stepped into the Rose Garden at the White House and announced that they had at least uh, reached a a ceasefire uh, in the transatlantic trade wars and that they would have discussions about reducing tariffs. This is a long way from any kind of miraculous trade deal. This is talks about talks, which is the kind of stuff that my editors uh, really kind of flinch at when I call them, right? Claiming a great big breakthrough. But in, in Donald Trump's world, in the kind of the, the world of the trade wars that we're in right now, that is a, is a monumental breakthrough. And that's, and that's where we are today. Donald Trump has agreed he's not going to throw any tariffs up on imported European cars that BMW is going to be able to come in and uh, Americans are going to be able to buy them without a 20, 25% premium on them. But that's temporary. And that's partly also a reaction to the, the domestic dynamics. And partly what Patty is talking about, the businesses grumbling about the impact of tariffs. I know six, $700 million isn't that much in the context of GM's overall revenues, but it's still a lot of money. And also we're hearing from farmers. The president is in Iowa and he's uh, got new hats out, uh, which are make American farmers great again, right? And and that's partly about addressing the great backlash that we've seen from farm states recently that have filtered through to Republican congressional candidates who are worried about the midterm elections, uh, who are worried about the broader economic impact, and, and so on. So, you know, Donald Trump said we're moving into a new phase in transatlantic trade relations on Wednesday. We're probably moving into a new phase in his trade policies, really, and that's about managing the backlash. Right. So as you indicate there, EU-US trade relations are complicated. There's an awful lot to untangle between these two giant trading blocks from autos to farms. Realistically, what are going to be the key pain points in future negotiations if they're serious about going beyond just talks about talks? 
I mean, what's what's really interesting also is is that you know Donald Trump pro- promises the kind of the revolutionary trade deal. That that was his whole election pitch: is I'm the greatest deal maker ever. I will get us better trade deals that will be better for for American workers and so on. What he's actually talking about here with the EU is, is a much smaller deal than his predecessor Barack Obama had been contemplating. Uh, Barack Obama in 2013 launched this grand transatlantic trade and investment partnership, which was going to uh, kind of all encompassing every bit of our transatlantic lives was going to be somehow made better by this deal. Donald Trump is really just talking about a very narrow set of industrial goods. In fact, they've they've already said that they're not going to talk about cars. The Europeans have resisted any idea of talking about agriculture. Uh, and so, on. so we're talking about a very narrow deal that that, that will affect lots of, of, of manufactured products that, that, that cross the Atlantic, but won't address huge parts of the economic relationship. By doing that, you're actually removing a lot of the pain points. Are the US and the EU united in their view of China? I mean, a lot of Donald Trump's tariff policy has been targeted at slowing the growth of China, at kind of rebalancing those two great powers. That was something that they talked about. Didn't mention the name China in, in, in the Rose Garden, but they talked about reforming the WTO and addressing issues like intellectual property theft, state-owned enterprises, industrial subsidies, all of the kind of bugbears in the U.S.-China trading relationship that are also bugbears in the in the European-China trading relationship. One of the big criticisms of Donald Trump's trade policy so far has been that he's been going after U.S. allies, and by doing that, has been reducing his ability to create broad international coalitions that could take on China effectively and really address the big problem in the global trading system with China. This may be a turn in that. This may be the chance he has to kind of repair the relationship across the Atlantic and finally focus on, on what people here in Washington really want him to, and that is addressing the imbalances with China. So, Patty, can I throw you one last question? Have you had any response from the automakers on whether they are holding out high hopes for this new tone? Uh, well, their earnings calls happened mostly before that happened, and nobody really said much about it on the call. They all said something veiled along the lines of, we're in close touch with the administration, we're making clear how complicated our supply chains are, and we're hopeful of a resolution, but it wasn't anything that you could really pin your hat on. Okay, well, we'll continue to monitor all of this as it flows through corporate America's profit and loss account. Sean, Patty, thank you very much. That was Andrew Edgecliff Johnson in New York talking to the FT's Patty Waldmeyer in Chicago and Sean Donnan in D.C. You could read more on the subject at FT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. 
We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.